Welcome to the Worship Podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector of Grace Church. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome to join us in hearing the word and receiving the sacrament at Grace. Happy New Year! They say hindsight is 2020, and I for one am glad to have it in the rearview mirror. I admit that I pulled the calendar off the sacristy wall and threw it away with some relish. Though we look forward with hope to the days when we've all received our vaccines and can gather once more, we know that there are many difficult days ahead. One of the collects in the prayer book says, O Lord, our times are in your hand. Look with favor, we pray, on your servants as they begin another year. Our times are in God's hand. We recognize that now, perhaps more than we did one year ago. May God bless and keep us this winter and always. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 7 to 14. Thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them forth from the land of the north, and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, and 
among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor, together a great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with consolations I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd a flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and redeemed him from the hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men shall, and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts. My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs. For 
reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, and verses 15 through 19. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be homely and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem every year for the festival of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There are many passages of Scripture that record dialogue between biblical characters where I wonder, in what tone of voice was this line spoken? As the mother of a 12-year-old boy, I especially wonder this about Mary's line to Jesus when she and Joseph finally find him in the temple after three solid days of searching for him. Note that Luke says that the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, not that he was left behind accidentally. As a mom, this is very suspect phrasing to me. Jesus had apparently enrolled himself in rabbinical college for the weekend. Upon their reunion, Mary says, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Now, there are many different ways to say these words. My hunch is that Mary spoke this line less with a, Oh, honey, we were so worried about you, tone, and more in a kind of, You had better have a really good explanation for why I just spent the last three days wandering up and down every side street in Jerusalem, young man. But she does not call him young man. She calls him child. And that is what he is. Then, as now, the traditional age of manhood in Judaism was 13. Jesus is a tween, those years on the cusp of adolescence. What I love about this story is that it tells us quite a bit about Jesus' humanity, both his personality, 
as someone who would risk getting into a lot of trouble to have extra time for Torah study, but also his totally developmentally appropriate desire to enjoy some independence from his family, to explore the world on his own, to engage and question on his own terms, while also not quite having the judgment or experience to make great choices about this newfound freedom. Christmas is the Feast of the Incarnation, Jesus coming to earth to share in our humanity fully and completely. What is more human than the scrapes and mixed motivations of adolescence? What is more human than getting in trouble with your mom? This passage also shows us something of Jesus' family and community. Jesus and his parents went up to Jerusalem every year for the Passover in a big group of relatives and friends, the kind of large, cozy group where everyone looks out for everybody else's kids until they all realize that Jesus isn't actually with any of them. Jesus had buddies and doting aunts and avuncular uncles and roving bands of cousins. He knew friendship and the joys and complexities of family life. And I think that's an undertone of Mary's, tone, Mary's words, too, that when they get back to Nazareth, boy, are those neighbor ladies never going to let her hear the end of how she left her kid behind in the big city for a whole day. What is more human than getting in trouble with your mom? and then talking back to her. That is what Jesus does. Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Yeah, I bet they didn't understand. This line from 12-year-old Jesus to his mother was very likely followed up by further dialogue, which the gospel writer has edited out, instead choosing the diplomatic summary then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Throughout the Gospels, the relationship between Jesus and Mary involves quite a bit of backtalk. This passage from Luke is the first example, the very first words Jesus speaks in the Gospel. In the Gospel of John, early in Jesus' ministry, he attends a wedding with his mother in Cana. When the hosts run out of wine, Mary prods Jesus to do something about it. He answers her, Woman, what concern is that to you and me? Then, as now, referring to your mother as woman is unlikely to score you any points. He ends up doing what she asks and performing his first miracle, turning the water into wine. And later in his ministry, both Matthew and Luke tell the story of Jesus teaching in a large crowd and someone coming to him and saying, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replies, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. I'm sure that line went over really well at the family dinner table that evening. For all the backtalk, Jesus and Mary had a very close relationship Clearly, she had an essential role not just in his birth, but throughout his ministry and in the early church. We see her at the foot of the cross, and in the Gospel of John, Jesus from the cross tells her and the beloved disciple John that from now on they are mother and son to each other, and that the disciple is to care for her. 
Mary is with the disciples on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descends on them all in a rush of wind and tongues of flame. She is always there, witnessing the sorrows and the joys, the conflicts and the miracles, and his death and his resurrection. The tension between Mary and Jesus is about Jesus' identity, not just as her son, but as the Son of God. And it is about the cross. Even in this story from Luke, Mary searches for Jesus for three days before finding him, the same amount of time that he will be in the tomb before he is raised. Jesus' answer to her, Why were you searching for me? echoes the line the angels at the tomb will speak about others who are searching. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Don't you know who I am? Jesus tells his mother while he is still a child, and what my destiny is. Mary does know. She has known from the beginning. She signed on to God's plan for the redemption of her people and all the world with her yes to the angel Gabriel. Others along the way affirmed that Jesus was to be the Messiah. Her cousins Elizabeth and Zechariah, even the future prophet John the Baptist, still in the womb, leapt with joy that God's anointed was coming into the world. The holy elders Anna and Simeon, when they, when Mary and Joseph presented the infant Jesus at the temple, recognized Jesus as the long-awaited one. And Simeon said to Mary, This child is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. Mary was charged to give Jesus life, to raise him, to teach him, to keep him safe, all the while knowing that eventually she would fail, that Jesus would suffer and be betrayed and be killed. His destiny would take him beyond the reach of her loving protection, and this was God's will for him. Her soul that rejoiced in God her Savior as she sang the Magnificat was a soul that would also be pierced through with pain. Twelve-year-old Jesus, finally found camping out unsupervised among the rabbis, says to Mary, You know who I am. You should have known where I would be. Luke says, His mother treasured all these things in her heart. I think that she did treasure these things. Eventually. There is a verse from the Pauline letter to the Ephesians that I always think of when I'm teaching a confirmation class. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? I want our young people, and all of us, to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation as we come to know God over the course of our lives, and to know the hope to which we are called. Jesus and Mary found, from an early age, that Jesus' call did not always make it easy for him to be a good son, to be obedient to his parents. Jesus did not put his own biological family first, 
and he taught that his disciples should prefer God to their own mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters. Our life in Christ does not always make our family lives easier. Family systems are often resistant to new truths, or even to old truths. One of the messages of the gospel is that each of us has a larger purpose beyond our families, our tribes, or the roles we are placed into by the circumstances of our birth. Jesus' call to us often pulls us out of these smaller circles and into the larger circles of the fellowship of the saints. Sometimes this is a gift, and sometimes it is a sacrifice. Perhaps it is a gift and a sacrifice. It seemed to be that way for Jesus and his parents. As we end this Christmas tide, may God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know the hope to which you are called this new year and in all your life. May God give you spiritual hiding places of learning and refreshment when you need them. May you be found by those who love you. May you be able to speak the truth about who you are and what God is calling you to do, even when it is difficult, knowing that Jesus walked this path before us. In God's name, amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Prayers of the People let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer, that God's kingdom may come with justice and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God's scepter of righteousness may be established among the nations. We pray for our elected leaders in this time of pandemic, economic uncertainty, and partisan division. May they demonstrate a commitment to truth, the common good, and public health. We pray for the global community in these challenging days, especially refugees and asylum seekers, the poor, and indigenous peoples. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that we may seek Christ in the Scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray to the Lord.
Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, especially those on our parish prayer list, those recovering from COVID-19, and those we name silently or aloud. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, that with all the saints in light we may shine forth as lights for the world. Lord, keep us from harming others through risky or thoughtless conduct. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that as we celebrate the birth of Christ, all our loved ones celebrating birthdays may be blessed, especially Nicholas, Marcia, Robert, Sergio, William, George, Lilla, and Lucas. In our parish cycle of thanksgiving, we give thanks for the members of the Pastoral Care Committee who by their ministry of compassionate presence and timely help show Christ's love to our community in times of illness, grief, or vulnerability. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray that those who have died might have a place in God's heavenly kingdom, especially John Stewart, father of Austin Stewart, and those who we name now. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father. Holy God, you have called us to be a source of spiritual restoration and strength. Make us conduits of divine love, following the example of Jesus. Help us to companion the vulnerable, heal division, and confront and dismantle inequality. Give us your grace, now and always. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Thank you to everyone who contributed to our worship podcast for today. We thank the Grace Church Choir, featuring section leaders Christian Buaben, Diane Drost, Stephen M., and John Yanis, joined today by Linda Hosfeld. We also thank our music director and organist, Chris Hosfeld. Thank you to our lectors, Gregory Walton and Sally Dunning, and our lay reader, Harry Rosser. You can find out more about Grace Church on our website, gracenewton.org. We hope you join us again next week.